We are back. It is lunch hour with Reno. stinking time. Yes, uh, it's been a while since we've been able to join you, um, and we're excited to do that today. Happy we Wednesday. Absolutely. Uh, we are in the middle of the Advent season as we prepare to celebrate the arrival of Jesus uh, on planet Earth 2,000 years ago and await his uh, return. So uh, today we're going to talk about Christmasing well. Um, Christmasing well, that's which, right. Which, if you're uh, any any uh, any bit like I feel, it's the 11th. We've got 14 days left. It's like two week countdown, and we're getting towards like the panic mode yeah. of like yeah. getting everything ready and kind of yeah. all that. All you know, that and, I, and I think too. Um, Part of the reason why we want to talk about Christmasing well, and, and frankly, why we need to talk about Christmasing well, is because in our cultural context, uh, Christmas has grown and grown and grown into this giant collision of things. Yep. And the advantage to that, uh, that is not the same in some other cultures, even in, in our time, is that there's a lot of time to celebrate. Like, I mean, you know, you, you, it really does become something you start thinking about right after Thanksgiving. Right. And, and you're sort of in the mode of it's Christmas, which I think is a really cool thing versus a regular November, December, and the day before Christmas, it's like, oh, yeah, it's Christmas. Yeah, it's totally perspective. It, like it people, is. People get frustrated with that, yeah. but it really but is But I an think awesome it's a beautiful thing. The trouble is, in that opportunity... It is also then an extremely destructible space. Right. And so what we want to talk about today uh, is, in, in a number of contexts, just how do we take the beauty of our cultural context that we celebrated for so long, and it's such a big deal, and it's, it permeates every part of life for this season, yeah. and how do we make sure that that beauty is a beauty, that that isn't a distraction? Because the truth is, for most of us, uh, it is extremely challenging to try to find out how we keep Jesus, as we say, central in the midst of all the stuff. And what we want to submit today is that it's not so much the effort of trying to bring Jesus in despite or alongside all this stuff. It's that all this stuff is actually an incredible opportunity to keep Jesus central. And we want to talk some about that today. So one of the things um, that we do here uh, at Mosaic is that as we as we think through the Christmas series and season, we always think about what theme we're going to deal with. And this year, we decided to really track with the traditional Advent theme. And the idea of Advent being that idea of anticipation, expectancy, waiting, so that you almost kind of set yourself up to say, I know it's coming, but I'm going to almost pretend I don't and kind of like, oh, I'm going to get there. Right. And so um, part of that journey is uh, that we... Uh, made available to our church uh, a devotional that uh, Desiring God puts out that John Piper does. And I think in the beginning of that devotional, uh, it is really just a great space of reminding us what this season could be and should be like for us. And then we'll talk some about in practicality how that plays out. So maybe, Joel, you can jump in and share with us a little bit of that first page in that devotional. Yeah, this devotional is really great. Before we jump into that, I just want to say hello, Leslie Aziz. I know is with What's us, up? and we've got some others as well uh, jumping on. So uh, good to have you with us today. Uh, as you have thoughts, um, maybe even questions, drop those into the comment section. We'd love to interact with you guys today as well as have a great conversation uh, together. So thanks for being with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, so this devotional 
um, it, it begins, and this is actually the first uh, devotional in the series that comes out on uh, December 1st, and so we're, uh, we're past this, but I just wanted to root us here because it's such a great uh, start. So this one's in t- uh, titled Prepare the Way, um, Advent Day 1, this is out of Luke chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And this is about John the Baptist. And uh, here's what John Piper says about this. It says, what John the Baptist did for Israel, Advent can do for us. Mm. Don't let Christmas find you unprepared. I mean spiritually unprepared. Its joy and impact will be so much greater if you are ready. So that you might be prepared first, meditate on the fact that we need a Savior. Christmas is an indictment before it becomes a delight. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, Luke 2.11. If you don't need a Savior, you don't need Christmas. Christmas will not have its intended effect until we feel desperately the need for a Savior. Let these short Advent meditations help awaken you in a bittersweet uh, way the need for a Savior. Second, engage in sober self-examination. Advent is to Christmas what Lent is to Easter. David says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. That's Psalm 139. Uh, let every heart prepare him room by cleaning house. Uh, so just engage in self-examination. Third, build God-centered anticipation and expectancy and excitement into your home, especially for the children. If you're excited about Christ, they will be too. If you can only make Christmas exciting with material things, how will the children get a thirst for God? Bend the efforts of your imagination to make the wonder of the king's arrival visible for the children. And fourth, be much in the scriptures and memorize the great passages. Uh, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 23. Gather around that fire this Advent season. Mm. Uh, It is warm. It is sparkling with colors of grace. It is healing for a thousand hertz. It is light for dark nights. Mm. So So. that that is an awesome and beautiful picture of kind of what we want to spend our hour doing here is talking about how we gather around that fire and how we allow that fire, the word of God, to prepare our hearts, to examine our hearts, to prepare our children if we are in a home with children, uh, to, to guide us, lead us, direct us, focus us, fix us on what this Advent season should be, right. that it is the, the great preparation for a day that when we do celebrate, instead of celebrating that we are through the season, yeah. that we are celebrating that we have arrived at the culmination of the season. Yeah, I literally, I was at uh, Light Up Oakland, ran into a friend there, and uh, they go to Mosaic, and he has everything going. And she just kind of took a deep breath and said, well, we're just, we're trying to get through the season. Yep. There it and is. Just, my heart sunk a little bit in that moment, just like, oh man, like, gosh, what a what a sad way uh, yeah. to look at what, one of the greatest opportunities for us in our culture to just be in the the mode of 
wonder that Jesus would come yep. for us. So what I'd love to do maybe as a starting point, and, and you guys can interact with this as well, uh, because this is kind of a dialogue today, is, um, is this. Before we jump into what we can bring to the table uh, to help us find this beauty in preparation, I'd love to chat a little bit about what keeps us from the table. So there's a lot of things that distracts us or literally just prevents us from being able to find this kind of rhythm in the season. And this is a fairly obvious question because we kind of know what they are, but I I want to articulate them. I want to put them on the table. I want to dig down into them a little bit and just say this thing, one, is it necessary? And if the answer is it is necessary, then how do we make sure it doesn't become a burden or a distraction or a uh, a, 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 a refocusing. So as a silly example, um, I wouldn't say it's necessary to buy gifts, but that is a big part of Christmas. So let's call it necessary. One of the necessary things is you have to think about the people you love and you have to engage in going and getting something special for them. That's a part of Christmas. Okay, so that's necessary. But how does that then become a distraction, a burden, an insanity that we drive? Why does that happen? And how do we avoid that? And how do we make that's something that isn't brutal, right? So that's an example. So the question would be, what are some things uh, in the Christmas season for you that feel weighty, that mm-hmm. feel uh, a, like a bur- more, more of a burden than a joy, that actually distract you from that warm fire of sure. preparation, uh, that, that are the stresses yeah. of Christmas? What are the stresses? And let's take a look at them and kind of unpack them and say, do they have to be a stress? Well, I, I can think of some stresses. I mean, there's, uh, you know, late deliveries with Amazon, yep. right? You know, you get toward the end of the season and it's like two-day shipping, we're good. And, uh-oh, uh, it's not going to arrive and the stress that comes with that. Um, there are stresses like, uh, I can't find the perfect gift. Yep. Um, there are stresses like, uh, you know, my... Uh, my spouse is tough to shop for or my friend is tough to shop for. I think the expectations that we put on ourselves that we think others have on us and sometimes, frankly, others have on us. Totally. These expectations are uh, uh, really can be very weighty. I mean, obviously, you know, there are budget concerns and questions about can I handle this financially? Like what, what can we spend? And if we spend money on this, we can't spend money on that. And a lot of times that can lead to strife in the home and strife in yep. a marriage or strife in, um, you know, a, just someone's finances. Like, And I find a lot of times, um, even in that, and I think this comes back down to what you're saying with these expectations is sometimes if you happen to be part of a family unit where there's uh, the spouses and the children, if that happens to be your context, a lot of times the spouses have differing personality types and therefore expectations of what their children should or shouldn't have. And not just personalities, but also different upbringings, right? Like my wife and I, for example, um, my wife, her family, Christmas, birthdays, holidays were a huge deal. And so in her heart and mind, it carries all of those memories and all of those. And so it's a special time for her. And if I, for me, I grew up in a different home and my mom was a single mom. My dad died when I was young. And so for her, Christmas was just like, she's working tons of hours. It was a special time as a family, but we didn't have all of the, yep. the, 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 the stuff around it. And so we, we grew up differently yep. when, it came, when it comes to Christmas. And I, that's a common reality. Yeah. And like, so now you, 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 you're looking at your children yep. and one spouse says, we blow this thing out. 
Yeah. We spend all the money. The budget's blown if it needs to be. Right. We get the kids all six of the gifts that they're asking for. Yeah. We d- because the fear of a disappointed child or the fear of a disappointed um, family member or, or whatever, the party wasn't everything it needed yeah. to be, is too much. And then the other spouse is going, hold on. We need to get through this without uh, breaking the budget over it. And then there's strife in the home because yeah, of that. One spouse is wanting to decorate the home and spend a whole day doing that or more. Yep. The other spouse is wanting to watch college football. Yep. I don't know who I, that I could be. I can't imagine but, what but, that is. Mean, yeah. But let's just say, hypothetically you know, say hypothetically that that would be the speaking case. Yeah. About, Should we yeah. hang the icicle lights this year? Right. You know, I don't think so because um, – who actually drives by our home, right. to which the response is, oh, we're hanging the icicle yeah. lights oh, this yeah. year. Yeah. And so, so it, 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 I think some of the relational dynamics, because of expectations that are differing between spouses, if you're married, or between, um, between family members, who's going to host the thing this year? Oh, man. Um, and Absolutely. The, the, the party, the big party, and yeah, how, the, how that's going to play out. And yeah, the transition of family, like as... as uh, you know, you grow up and you go to your parents' houses and you, d- you deal with that. Then you're starting to have children and you're figuring out, okay, are we going to do this in our home? And then people are disappointed and you have people coming to town and they can't come to town when, yep. you know, you hope. And there's just so much that's around this whole holiday. And then I think, too, um, I, f- I find from some of my friends that I talk with uh, that uh, are single, mm-hmm. Christmas becomes a space where the stress there also becomes um, he, Christmas is this time where everyone gathers and the kids open presents and the and the spouses this and and here I am I'm going to go to a party alone. Right. I was I was talking to a friend of mine just this week and she was saying, you know, there's all these Christmas parties and I I, I got to roll in by myself time right. and time and eventually I just get old and I don't want to go to them right. because I show up and I'm not with someone yeah. and. Uh, you know, and, and you look and so, at all the commercials. And yep. there's romance, and it's yep. you're giving this special gift for the yep. special someone. Um, all the Christmas movies, the the, yep. the romantic comedies, everything. You know, so, so a that's a that's a it, it's a space pressure. that 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 says to the person who is single and content as they ought to be uh, in in their journey and the and the and the journey that God has for them. And then Christmas comes around, and it creates a stress. It stirs it, it, it up. It stirs it up. And so yeah. I, I find. The expectations on the one hand for the spousal couples or the kids and families, the expect, cultural expectations on the other hand for the right. single person, yep. loneliness. Then and, and then you, you know, you tap into that with these expectations, the uh, need to spend money that you don't really have on things that um, make everyone else say, "Way to go!" Right. That stuff. Uh, becomes hard, and then just the practicality of okay, now I've got to actually go out and do all this. I got to go buy lights. I mean, have you have you done the light thing where you go in your garage, you packed them away so nicely last year, oh, you yeah. wrapped them appropriately as they told you to. Oh, yeah. It's like someone designed those things to go out because oh, you yeah. plugged. I mean, the feelings I have. Blink, come on, half the strand. Your chain I mean, fuses, and so you have a pile of half strands. <laughs> And a pile of working strands, and now you got to right. go back to the store Every time. and buy replacements for the pile oh, of half you know, strands. You know they've they've changed all the design of the lights, though. So the, the things you bought before don't match. Don't the even new match. The, the, the LED, color is color slightly is like, different. Oh, and then the LED craziness, like they'll last for twenty centuries. Right. And you're like, well, that was last year, and apparently the string isn't LED. <laughs> so so you know, I, I think a lot of this stuff just makes Christmas something that daily drives us toward a certain amount of 
concern and stress and weightiness. Yeah. And then that weightiness, because of its because of its urgency, and this is true for life in general, I think, urgency sits right in front of us. Oh yeah. And and um things that are intentional and purposed and right sit behind urgency. Yeah. So the trouble is urgency keeps becoming the foreground. Right. And the blurry background, like in a portrait picture, is what actually could be really good. Yeah. But what's in front of us is here. So how mm. do we take urgency that is felt so deeply in this season and not get rid of it, but how do we utilize it as a tool to bring about uh, a clarity of what matters most? It's a great, uh, that is a great question. How do we, how do we move you know, what is blocking what really matters? How do we kind of move that away and focus in on, on some good stuff? So Chad Clark is with us. Uh, he says preparing to travel is definitely a stressor, trying to make sure you have everything mm. you need, getting everyone <laughs> packed, and then just the overall stress of getting in the car, getting on the road in time, uh, then the actual trip with multiple kids, knowing the traffic is going to be bad, all that because you're traveling to go see family yep. or those kinds of things. Uh, April Burns says uh, at this season, uh, I have to be around people I'd rather not. Absolutely. Right? Uh, my children's biological parents, that's a stressful thing. Yeah. Um, you know, brutal to use Pastor Renault's word. Uh, I always want to be Christ-like, but the stress takes away from the beautiful time. Yeah. I mean, you have yep. all of these things, yep. right, that and are I, staring and, right and, in front You know, it's funny, um, Chad, that you brought up travel because I was just telling somebody yesterday, literally yesterday I was talking to somebody that's getting ready to travel today. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the, the conversation was exactly that, like, yeah. why did we plan this? Six months ago, it sounded like a great idea, but now it's terrible timing. <laughs> like they're going through this. And I said to them, in our home, anytime we travel with or without the kids, frankly, but especially with the kids, right? And we have eight kids, so it, it has its own uh, dynamic. But I always tell Brooke, traveling anywhere for any vacation for us is now this. To leave on vacation is like getting uh, into space. So you put these suits on, <laughs> you get into, on top of a rocket that's filled with fuel that if one wire goes wrong, one wire, everyone dies. Right. You get in this thing and strap in, <laughs> and then when it takes off, everything shakes and that you hold your breath thinking, I really don't think we make it. Like, I really don't. We're going somewhere, but we don't really even know where, right? So you go through all that craziness, yeah. and then you're on the trip, and you get to your destination. And that's like space. You get into space. You look out the little hole. You see the planet from a distance, your life from yeah. a distance. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Like, you're like, this is so worth it. And then when the vacation's over, you realize we have to re-enter. <laughs> so now you're in space, and it's been wonderful. That's you so clamor into a teeny, tiny little uh, capsule. Right. It has a heat shield in front of it. And essentially, it gets catapulted into the atmosphere and becomes a ball of fire. <laughs> and you said, This is your strapped life. In. This is how <laughs> And you, it's shaking again. But this time, uh, the radio goes dark for a certain period of time. Yep. And everybody just holds their breath and goes, I don't know that they've lived or died. If the heat shield doesn't survive, they burn up. If, if the parachutes don't deploy, they burn up. I mean, there's so many options for death. And if you do make it back, and if you your, do legs make it back your legs don't work. So finally, you land in the ocean in this capsule if everything went well. Right. And you've got to sit there and wait for some rescue boat to come unravel. And you pop your head out. And if all that happens, you go, we're back. And you're back on planet Earth, not beautiful space. So I'm always like, that's a bit how vacation feels like to me. And once we got that expectation set right, I was like, okay, we're going on vacation. Remember, death rocket on the way out, death reentry, but it's all worth it. 
for the few moments of quietness in space. <laughs> so I share, share all that to say, I feel like a lot of things Christmas feels that way. Yeah. Like lots of work up front, lots of work on the back end for this brief momentary, like, oh. And the question is, how do we not allow all this upfront and all this back end stuff for the brief moment to be a distraction from why that brief moment even exists? Mm. And how do we actually have this stuff become a part of how we uh, experience the joy of, of Christ and his great work of redemption. So, yeah, yeah. a lot going on. Yeah, and I, and I, do, I do think, um, you know, when you, when you think about all of these things that we do, the, the urgent things that we do, most of them have really good things behind them, yeah. right? Like the urgency of going to get gifts. It's because we love our, our yeah. loved ones and we want to express that to them. Or uh, the urgency of getting on vacation. Well, it's because we don't get to see people that we love, and so we're <clears throat> going to see them. And, and it's yeah. good. It's healthy. It's family. Yeah. It's all of those things. Yeah. Or, you know, all, all of the urgency around, you know, the Christmas parties or the get-togethers or the social events because we want to be in community and not live in isolation. There's so many good things that are, that are behind them. And then behind that is we have this really transcendent, beautiful reality that our Savior God, Jesus Christ, yep. became a man, put on flesh, dwelled among us. He came 2,000 years ago. And the, the wonder and the beauty that is behind all of that fuels us then to care about all of these things, right? Yep. The, the, the real yep. reasons, the, the giving gifts yep. and the people and yep. the love yep. and the, the time and the... The, the, the rest and all this stuff that, yep. that, but then there's that urgent that is in front of us. And so, you know, I think what does it look like for us to have in our lives spaces and disciplines that, that help us to remove the urgent, help us to get behind or at least, the at least activity. To, re, to reframe the urgent. To reframe the urgent. You're right, so, right. That so it, let's talk about So that, that it is something more than just urgent, chaotic, try to get it done. Right, right. So talk about that. So reframing the urgent. Yeah. It's not like you can just like it's Christmas. Stop the urgent. We gotta you go can't do this. avoid it, yeah. right? And if so. you're gonna travel, which is beautiful, there's gonna be traffic. And if you're gonna go shopping for gifts, there's gonna be insane lines. Like it's Christmas. There's no life there, hack. There, there's no that. life hack for right, this, right? right. right? So so I, I start looking at the urgent and, and I think you said it well. Each of these things we do have extraordinary purpose in producing something beautiful that then produces a clarity or a reminder of Jesus. That, that's what's supposed to happen. There's this thing I want to do, give a gift, for example, mm-hmm. that is a means of remembering the gift given to me. So now I need to go shop for that gift, and the time and energy I put into that for this person is supposed to gratify my soul in reminding me of the love and time God put into my rescue. And then when I give the gift to remind me of the recipient I am of God's gift. And then right. when they are, find joy in the gift to remind me of the great wonder that it is to be a child of God that has, that has joy in the gift of the gospel. All that's supposed to happen. Yeah, we know yeah. that, right? But then somewhere along the way, the urgent reframes itself into urgent and into And it's gift and for gift's sake. And it's, or it's it just done. the stress of doing it or whatever. Yeah, so yeah, all that. I would say the first thing that I would bring to the table is that we have to remember, if we want Christmas to be what John Piper said it should be, mm-hmm. or, or rather Advent toward Christmas, yeah. then this is something to be stewarded. Because the word stewardship is an intentional word. You don't, you don't, 
You don't just, if you're stewarding something, it can't just be chaotic unintent, right? So when we steward our finances, it means we are now intentionally engaging in something, looking at it, budgeting, working, why this, why that? We're asking questions like why? Why are we spending this? Why are we not spending that? Why can't we? Why can we? We are stewarding this because we want, a, we, we want an intentional, purposed journey with it. So the Christmas season is something to be stewarded. Which so the now, definition of steward, the job of supervising or taking care of something. There you go. So the job of supervising or taking care of something. So here's what I would argue. Step one to making the Christmas season a space that we Christmas well, yeah. right, is that I see myself as a caretaker of this journey, a steward, uh, somebody that is going to go and take care of this now. And I begin the season by saying, okay, so let, let's actually look at everything and ask some why questions. Why, why are we doing that? Why are we getting gifts? The answer won't be, well, that's stupid. We're not getting gifts. It's like, wh- why are we? Why, why are we shopping? Why are we choosing to do things online versus going to the store? Is it to save time? so that we can use that time to reflect and focus on some other things? Is it convenience? Is it because there are better gifts there? Are there some other reasons? Could there be something to be said for this or that? I'm not saying that the answer will be the same for each one of us. The point is we're asking the question. Start asking why, the why Why question. am I doing the cookie party? Yeah. Why am I hosting this year? Or why are we going on this vacation? And if the answer is, I don't know. I guess it's just what we do. Then you have one of two options. Either you say, well, we're going, so now we need to create a good why. It's, that's the remembering, that's, right? That's, that's the remembering right. and the reframing, right? right. That's, that's me saying, well, we were just going to go on this vacation because right. that's the expectation, that's expectation and that's where everybody fam- wants. Family. That's what our family does. It's their yeah. expectation. We wouldn't want to go if we don't. Right. So since we're going, let's now steward this trip, this vacation, to become a good why. The other option is to say there is no reason why we're doing this. So we're not going to. So we're not going to. Right. Those are your two options. Which both Either could be valid. Both are valid. Yeah. It's you choosing one or the other. And suddenly, when you choose one or the other, you become a steward. You're mm. not just reacting or doing or, or, or going through the motions. When your friend said to you, I'm just trying to get through the season, I feel like that happens when we don't steward. And, and most of us don't steward this season because we don't think of the season as something to steward. We just... What, what's next on the list? What's next on the agenda? What am I behind on? What do I need to get? Where am I going to find the money? How am I going to? It's a reactive reality. Hmm. Oh, I've got to go to the stupid stores and stand in those stupid lines. So, for example, um, you know, here, here at Mosaic, we have those little cards yeah. that we give out that say, I appreciate you. Yeah. So, so what if I said, okay, I've got to go do a day of shopping. It, it would usually just be a insane day of shopping. And it's going to be an insane day of shopping because I'm standing in line. But what if I'm standing in lines now and I'm going, every line I stand in, I have a little card and I actually came today to steward this day of shopping as a missional experience. Yeah. I'm going to get the gifts I need to get. Yeah. Check. I'm, so I'm still going to accomplish the exact same thing I was going to accomplish going before I stewarded this event. Mm. But now to steward the event, I'm saying, when I go, what are some of the things I can do that help me engage in making this event a beautiful reminder of who I am in Christ and what I get to participate in? Now, every line I stand in, I start thinking to myself, what if I take every line? Here's a line. 29 people in line, two people at the cashier. 
Now, I'm already frustrated with the management of the store, the two people at the cashier, and the 29 other people that got here before I did. Right. What if I have that card in my hand and I say, I've got 19 minutes to pray for those two cashiers. Hmm. I've got 19 minutes to pray for this manager whose head is probably spinning on trying to figure out because three people called in sick this morning and they were supposed to have, and I don't know any of that. So what if I just held my little card, standing in my lot, and I'm just praying the whole time, God, bless this. And, And these people in front of me, I bet that they're in chaos. They're not stewarding this season. For those who are not, I'm praying for them. By the time I get to that cashier and I go, hey, I just want to tell you, I appreciate you. I'm sure you're freaking out with this line. And I can't even imagine how hard it must be. I just want you to know, I think you're awesome. Thank you for doing that. I walk out with my bags. I just spent 19 minutes in a line that would have been an unstewarded, uh, stressful unraveling of the season right and i'm walking out of that store going i can't wait to show up at the next store i hope the line's long enough that i've got time to pray (laughs) but you see what stewardship does it's a complete reframing and if we can start saying i want to look at my whole month yeah and i want to say how am i going to steward this month in a way that says this is going to be really a good space for me still accomplishing the things that used to feel like urgencies but now feel like purposed stewardship I'd say that's where it begins. So then that also includes things like, I'm going to steward my budget. Right. I'm, before I just go say, my kids have expectations of what they want, and I'm going to go look at what we can afford this Christmas, and then I'm going to say, if this is what we can afford, because if I get to the end of Christmas and I'm in debt, yeah. then I have created stress, I've created turmoil. I have not stewarded well the gospel in that space. And I get it. We all, we, we, we've all lived here. Sure. But what if I start the season with, this is what we have. So let's make sure that this is what we spend. And now we've got to creatively figure out how to pull that off and still steward a season that is going to be beautiful. But part of its beauty is going to be stewarding the resources. Yeah. The trouble is we don't think like that. We just go. Now, some of you are budgeters out there. So you got that part down but then steward the journey of some of these other things. Talk a little bit about what it means to steward some of the stressful relationships that, uh, that Christmas usually, um, you know, compounds. Okay. Right? So, so yeah, April, totally. April, you know, her point about being around, um, people that she'd rather not even be around. Uh, it's stressful. It's brutal. She wants to be Christ-like, but yeah. the stress takes away from the beautiful time it should be. Yeah. Think about that. What does it look like to steward that? How do you do that? I'm going to leap a little bit here out of the Christmas space into a theological reality for a second, because I think this theological reality has helped me. And I think as I've dialogued with others in these spaces, I've helped them. Yeah. So I'm entering a space where um, either I'm encountering other people that know Jesus but they don't yet quite uh, engage in the maturity of what it means to know Jesus. So in other words, there's relational dynamics, uh, relational breakdown. So now we're talking about people that know Jesus encountering people that know Jesus and they don't like each other that much. Sometimes that's the category. In that category, I am, before I engage in that space, I am stepping back and I'm saying to myself, I'm gonna steward this event, I'm gonna steward this party, I'm gonna steward this vacation in a way that says, I get to, as a person full of the Holy Spirit and a person that loves Jesus, I get to take the stuff that is my bitterness, my pain, my unresolved anger, my whatever toward them, the hurts they've affected, and I get to say, God, would you, would you give me the, the, the strength and the power 
to be a gospel beautiful space for this person. Mm. Like I'm going to love them when they don't deserve to be loved. So kind of like standing in the line right. and changing the line from an irritating and stressful experience to something where I'm on mission. Yeah. Mission is a big deal here. Yeah, it is. I Absolutely. begin to say, you know what? I'm going to go live on mission at this party. And what I mean by mission is not I'm going to go try to help them mature. It's I'm going to go try to <laughs> love them well. Them how to be I'm going to go try person. to love them well. Right. I'm going to give them every reason. In fact, um, I, I, I shared a story. Um, you know, there, there's those times where somebody in your life, you've had a, a broken relationship scenario occur, yeah. and they want nothing to, to that they've got tension toward you. Sure. You may already have kind of like forgiven or asked for forgiveness if you were the, the perpetrator of whatever had happened. And when you encounter them, their bitterness toward you is just very, very clear. So let's call it the handshake, right? You go up to them, put your hand out, hey, it's great to see you, and the hand doesn't come out. Yeah. What I've found in my life is every time you encounter that person, you put your hand back out again, and they don't, and you go, I understand. I just want, I just want you to know that I, I care a great deal about you, and I hope it's someday this can be okay. And I walk away, and the next time I see them again, how's it going? Like, you become the one that is always, the you, your, your front door is open. Right. I, I, yeah. Eventually, the hand comes out, man. Yeah. So an event like that with another person who knows Jesus that's that mission. Now, with the people that, that don't yet know Jesus. And Christmas is an incredible space that we get to encounter lots of people that don't know Jesus. But sometimes that's also partly the stressor. Dysfunctional families and other things. And so you're going in. And especially if you happen to be part of a family that's hostile toward the gospel. And you're coming in and you just know it's going to be another one of those. The dinner table, first yeah. conversation is going to be, are you still going to church? And then it's going to unravel from there, right? Um, this is the theological piece I talked about. One of the clarities that I came to uh, quite a long time ago is in, in the book of Romans, uh, when, when God is talking about the journey of history, he says that he has a patient forbearance mm. towards sin mm -hmm. for the sake of his people that yeah. he's rescuing. Yeah. So what I mean by that is this. We kind of ask that question, why doesn't God just get rid of sin and like clear all this up? Then... All this mess wouldn't be right. like. Why does God allow? How could a good how, God? How could a good God do all, all powerful this? allow evil? And I've always come back to this: like God, the day God ends the story of sin, everything that is sin ends with that. And before I was redeemed by Jesus, I was a child of wrath, a child of sin, which means that my destruction was portioned with that destruction of sin. You right. with me? Yeah. The fact that God didn't do it in 1862 means that my eternal life exists. Hmm. Like I'm incredibly grateful that whatever terrible things were happening in 1862, that God could have gone, like, I'm so, done with this. Like Civil War. Uh, I don't know what I don't know when it, but was going on. During, during the Holocaust, during the Civil War. During, I mean, surely we could have said, okay, when does God just, he's had, an, that, that's it, we're done. We are ending this stupidity. Yeah, it was the Civil War. If he did, if he did then my future mm. eternal life doesn't exist. So mm. in the same way, if God has not yet ended sin today, and so, so the impact of sin is felt when I go to a Christmas party and my family who don't, don't know Jesus are ridiculous toward me or they do things that cause, I mean, we know we go to parties, there's lots of alcohol involved and suddenly everybody's off kilter and you're there and it's uncomfortable and what do you do? You know, all that stuff that People happens. People are getting oddly honest. Oddly honest or oddly not and, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah. I stand in those spaces and go, this is an opportunity for me, one, to realize, oh my gosh, God waited patiently 
for centuries and centuries and centuries to rescue me. Mm. I'm going to stand in this room and patiently wait with him to see anyone in this room that, may, that don't, doesn't know him, that he may be after rescuing, rescued. So mm. if this is what I have to tolerate for the sake of God's patient forbearance, for the sake of those who don't yet know him, you know what? I'm, I'm good with that. It's not easy, but I'm good with that. Right. It, is, it is Paul saying, I suffer with Christ so that in turn also I might share in the greater resurrection of people coming to know Jesus. So um, I would just say living on mission in this season is a part of our stewardship. Hmm. That line, yeah. the way that line changes, I changed it from an irritation to a mission. Yeah. And when I go to a party, I change it from an irritation to a mission, changes the game. Yeah, Molly Jackson said, flipping, flipping my mindset to serve, like this is so helpful. And, and really, like, that is the whole mission of Jesus, why he came to this planet. I mean, he said it, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, right? So yep. if Jesus has done that for us, the Christmas season is just this natural time that gives us the opportunity yes. to pause, to stop, to reflect. And it's not just a natural time to have this mindset, but so many practical opportunities at parties and family get-togethers and all yep. of that to just say, okay, listen— I know this is uh, hard. I'm having to die to self, all those kinds of things. But when our mindset is, I now have an opportunity to serve, like Molly is saying, um, it totally changes the changes game, everything. and it, it's so helpful. So, so here's what's crazy. So now we get back to foundationally the gospel. And this is really where all this comes back to. We've talked stewardship, right? right? And now I want to move to this, this space of how we... We know that if we reframe some of the distractions and stressors and we steward well things like our budget, our time and stuff, that's going to diminish the things that hold us back from what John Piper started us with, right? That, right. that around the fire. Yeah. Now it's coming to the other side of this and saying, what, what are some of the things that, that can be a part of our season that will help? Now, typically what we do is this. We say, while all these other things are happening, I also need to read the Bible. I also need to do this and do that. There are spiritual things to try to balance the scales. That's where we're like making sure we read the Christmas story out of Luke before kids are opening yes, presents. Yes, it's they, that, right? It's and that. they want to rip the pages out Can of the we Bible. The <laughs> yeah. We're reading the Bible story first. <laughs> Why? Yeah, kids are climbing but up the tree. But it's know? that the whole season. Like, how do we fit Jesus in right. to all this? And I would, I would say that's the wrong mindset completely. The right mindset is to say that everything allows us to see Jesus if we would just remember in our stewardship why it's there. Now, let me, let me explain what I'm saying. So we have service. We just came up with that mission and service. That is a great way to make Christmas everything it was meant to be. Is that In every encounter that feels stressful or feels burdensome, ask yourself, what is the missional opportunity here? Right. Engage in that missional opportunity and suddenly the entire thing changes, right? Totally. So us being participants in the gospel during Christmas is a big way in which we remember who we are in Christ, what he's done for us, and what an extraordinary gift the gospel is. Mm. Us being recipients of the gospel is the other way. So on the one way, and we've always said this, we're recipients of the gospel, we're right. participants. Yep. So oddly enough, in Christmas, it's very simple. Participate in the gospel in every opportunity you have, and you will find many of the stressors become beautiful gospel Christmas moments. Yeah. The other one is celebrate that you are a recipient of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Now, celebration. So I would say uh, mission and celebration are the two things that I think 
are the opportunities Christmas affords us more than any other season to remember the so gospel. Mission is our participation. Mission is our participation. And celebration, celebration is, our is our what we're recipients of. Yeah. So celebration now becomes this thing that instead of seeing all these things as the trite junk we have to do that distract us from Jesus, <laughs> they can actually become the very thing that drives us toward Jesus. And even for our children, instead of saying to our children, we're going to read the Bible story, then have fun with the gifts. What if instead we said, did you know that these gifts and the opening of these gifts is the very nature of what drives us to Jesus? Right. So yeah. there's, there's this, this book that um, we had our staff Christmas party last night. And Brooke had discovered this extraordinary book called um, Every Moment Holy. It's like, a, it's like a, a book full of blessings and prayers for every moment. So like Joel, Joel told me right before this, he goes, his wife last night uh, was uh, changing diapers. Yeah. And there's one in there, I think, that's called... Um, it's uh, it's a, a, not a prayer for, but a... Yeah. Um, a liturgy. A, a liturgy, liturgy for changing, for changing diapers. diapers. I love it. And so she read it, and it was, it was awesome, yeah, right? it was great. So last night, um, I read one of the liturgies that I'd like to read for you guys um, today, just because this, to me, reframes celebration so extraordinarily well. Yeah, it's awesome. But it is also a reminder that we can reframe everything. So this idea that I'm about to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something to you that when I'm done, you're going to go, I can't wait for the next party. Yeah. But you can do this with changing diapers, making a cup of coffee. In fact, this book actually has like a liturgy for your first cup of coffee in the morning oh, or a liturgy crazy. for you. That'll get me going. <laughs> that was so many good things. But listen to this. To gather joyfully is indeed a serious affair. For feasting and all enjoyments gratefully taken are at their heart acts of war. So you're like, Which is like what? What? Yeah. In celebrating this feast, so this is the liturgy, we're about to have a party, and we did this last night, we're about to have a party, and I read this. In celebrating this feast, we declare that evil and death, suffering and loss, sorrow and tears will not have the final word. Mm. What a great way of seeing celebration. Every Christmas party you go to this year, whether the ones you feel obligated to go to or the ones that you love going to, what if you walk into them and say, this party... This incredible celebration is an act of war declaring that evil and death, suffering and loss, sorrow and tears will not have the final word, right? So good. But the joy of fellowship and the welcome and comfort of friends new and old and the celebration of these blessings of food and drink and conversation and laughter are the true evidences of things eternal and are the first fruits of the great glad joy that is to come that will be unending in our future. Come on now. So and now that's our, the Advent. That's, that's the, our, the Advent. Right. Our celebrating, our yeah. parties, our Christmas parties can either be a stressor or they can go, if I'm going to work hard to get my house ready, I'm doing it so I can declare something. I can, I can, I can declare an act of war against evil and sorrow and pain and say, this party I worked my tail off in my house to, to host for my friends or my family, I can't wait for them to show up because I'm declaring war. Yeah. I mean, what and, a, and and it's such a beautiful picture of we're we're not there yet, but this is what's coming. This is what's right? coming. And, and this celebration oh, is a foreshadowing so of that. So listen yeah, to this. So let our feast this day be joined to those sure victories secured mm. by Christ. That sentence to me is what the Christmas she, 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 season should look like for you and me. In every circumstance, what if I ask the question, how can this moment be joined 
to those victories secured by Christ. How can I say this moment, what does it tell me about the victories I have in Christ? If it's a tough moment, then this moment reminds me that this tough moment won't have the last say. Right. Because, man, Jesus has assured some victories for me. If it's a beautiful moment, I'm like, this beautiful moment is a foreshadowing and a foretaste of the victories that are mine. So then it says this, let it be to us now a delight and a glad foretaste of his eternal kingdom. Bless us, O Lord, in this feast. Bless us, O Lord, as we linger over our cups and over this table laden with good things, as we relish the delights of varied textures and flavors, of aromas and savory spices, of dishes prepared as acts of love and blessing, of sweet delights made sweeter by the communion of saints. May this shared meal and our pleasure in it, and I love that sentence too, it's okay to love opening a gift and going, you got me. This, this is what I, I wanted. It's yeah. okay to eat a meal Absolutely. and go, just because other people in the world are starving, I don't have to feel bad. I can enjoy this if, indeed, it is not an arrogance or, a, a, or an assumption of, of entitlement. Right. But it is a this, that this shared meal and our pleasure in it bear witness against the deceptions of the prince of the darkness that would blind this world to hope. I love it. As I eat a meal this Christmas, I'm like, every bite I enjoy, I'm defying the enemy who's trying to tell the world there's no hope. This meal shows us that God is good and there's goodness yet to come. Wow. May it strike at the root of the lie that would drain life of meaning and the world of joy. May this our feast fall like a great hammer blow against the brittle night, shattering the gloom, reawakening our hearts, stirring our imaginations, and focusing our vision on the kingdom of heaven that is to come, on the kingdom that is promised, on the kingdom that is already indeed among us. For the resurrection of all good things has already joyfully begun." May this feast be an echo of the great supper of the Lamb, a foreshadowing of the great celebration that awaits the children of God, where two or more of us are gathered. O Lord, there you have promised to be, and here we are, so here you are also. Take joy, O King, in this our feast. Take joy, O King. So my my point to this is, hopefully that reframes, honestly, every party you're going to have this Christmas. But we can do that with everything. With everything. We can Every say, gift we get. how is yeah, this? That's good. right. How is this? This little sentence right here that I love toward the end, I love that it says this. Um, May this our feast be like a great hammer blow against the brittle night, shattering the gloom, reawakening our hearts, and stirring our imaginations to focus our vision on the kingdom of heaven that is to come. Like, what does it look like for Christmas for you and me this year? Not to be a way to try to fit Jesus into all the stuff, but to take all the stuff and say, how will this be a hammer blow to the night, the brittle night, and shatter it so that the joy of what is to come and what is already now is mine. When I'm standing in line to, to buy a gift, how do I look at this line and go, this can be a hammer blow? And what a difference that is to the typical American Christian response to Christmas, which is a bumper sticker that says, keep Christ in Christmas. That's right. Or uh, a cashier who says happy holidays, and we retort back with Merry Christmas. Yes. That is so unhelpful. Like your Facebook posts about how the, the culture has gotten Christmas wrong and how we should get it right doesn't help. 
But when we actually take the incredible wealth of opportunity that Christmas is for us to remember the gospel, to bring the gospel to bear, that is beautiful. That is attractive. That is attractive. Um, That is joy. And when we begin to experience everything Mm -hmm. in this way, and that's a work, that's a stewardship. That's why I started with stewardship. That is is an intentional discipline. Then what comes out of us is the great joy that is born out of our focus on Christ. And then we get focused on him. We get to the cashier, for example, who says, happy holidays. And we pull a card out and say, I love that you said that to me. I appreciate you. Thank you for what you do. 100%. The game changes. And then what happens is if we are a part of a family with children, then instead of our children having the experience that is typical of Christian children, which is there's the Jesus part of Christmas that we have to tolerate in order to get to the fun part of Christmas. No no one will say it that way, but let's just be honest. It's how it feels, right? That that is 100% what my experience of. What if? Actually, everything they taste, we say on Christmas morning, instead of saying, first, we're going to read the story of Jesus, we say, we're going to go downstairs, and the first thing we're going to do is we're going to eat some of the very best breakfast in the world because, and we say something like, every feast we enjoy reminds us of how good God is to us and what is waiting for us. And then we're going to open some presents, and that's going to be awesome. And then when we're done, we're going to sit down. And we're going to read the story as you play with your toys. And so there's your kid. They're, they're, they're 11. And they're playing with their toy. And what we sit down on this. You're going to listen to Luke. <laughs> right. What I would rather do is as they're playing with their toys, say, okay, everybody, focus a bit here. That toy you're enjoying right now, this is what that reminds us of. Right. Listen to this. Right. God has given us the himself. <laughs> and so it is for us starting to think about how do we take a that kind of idea and bring it into everything. It's reintegrating our faith with what we do right. in our traditions. Because everything, everything is a foreshadowing it's of beautiful. the of the the what is yet to come and a reminder of what is already. That's why I love that it said the resurrection has already happened and is already happening now and yet will have implications to our future that are unimaginable. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that that requires a bit of work on our part to think through the Christmas season and think through the Christmas traditions that are already built into our culture that we're already going to unbox, that we're already going to do, that we're already going to to take take part in, and then allowing the gospel to to come to bear, like that feast, like that, that liturgy for that feast does. I mean, thinking about you know, some of the traditions that we celebrate around Christmas time and how those point to Jesus, thinking about things like, uh, you know, the bells that are played that, that ring during the Christmas season, they ring out the joyous news of the gospel. Yeah. That is actually what the bells at Christmas signify. Yeah. Or the candles that are lit that remind us that, cr- that Christ is the light of the world, right? Yeah. That's why we do Advent candles. Um, or things like a, a star that is placed on top of a Christmas tree that reminds us of, of the star of Bethlehem that pointed the Magi yeah. to the place yeah. of Jesus. Um, or gifts that are exchanged to remind us the gift uh, that the Magi brought to Jesus, who is God's greatest gift to yeah. mankind, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, really and do that with everything, right? The whole thing. And so that's what John thing. Piper was saying in the beginning. Make sure your home is filled with things that aren't just things because it's Christmas. Like we always put a star on a tree and we always have candles. Why are they there? Right. And how are we talking about those things with each other? Yeah. How am I just standing and staring at the star by myself sometimes just going, thank you, God, 
for the great star that led us to Jesus. Just, just having your home full of advent calendars maybe or stars, things that say, the reason that's there is because it's pointing me to Jesus. And so I, I would say at the end of the day, if we, if we took all of this and we put it into its simplest form, I would, I would say this. One, be a steward, not someone who is a reactor to things around you. Yeah. Become a steward 100%. of the Christmas season. That's, That's step one. Then steward the celebrations as a means to be reminded of what you're a recipient of and to be grateful mm-hmm. and to have it be a hammer blow to what the enemy would want for us to forget that we are recipients of that. So Good. steward your season so that the celebrations become purposed mm. and steward your season so that the participation, the mission becomes purposed. Mm. So now I'm, I'm stewarding celebration, I'm stewarding mission mm-hmm. so that the heart of Christmas, the distractions, the relational struggles, the difficulties become purposed into one of these two spaces redeemed, yeah. and redeemed so that now I'm stewarding each of these things mm-hmm. into either celebration or mission yeah. to either remember what I'm a recipient of or a participant in yeah. so that my whole Christmas becomes recipient participant in the gospel because all the stuff I do that was just stuff that was a burden has become stewarded stuff as a joy. Which is life. And once we've done all that, then Christmas becomes what it's meant to be. And then that is also life. Mm. And then we keep doing that and it becomes beautiful. And that's not just easy. That's hard work. Mm. But it's worthy work. Mm. Worthy work. Well, uh, I, I think that's a pretty good spot for us to, to wrap it on to, up, to wrap it and put a bow on it. I love that story. And uh, market a, a Christmas present, which really is, it, it, you know, it is our God's gift to us that every year we get to come back to this space and celebrate yeah. that Jesus did. He, in fact, came. Um, you know, we started our Advent series talking about Genesis 1.14, that, that the very nature of creation, the stars in the sky, uh, are, are meant to be seasons and, and you know, festivals for us to come back to and remember that, that God is right, writing this story. He is the author of this story. We get to be in it. We get to be a part of it. We get to remember it. That's right. And everything that we do this season, uh, this Christmas season, can point us to that story. And if we do that, if we make everything like this beautiful um, liturgy called us to, then the longer the Christmas season is in our culture, the better. Yeah. Like, like then I actually be begin to go, oh, my gosh, I'm not mad that it starts right after Thanksgiving or before. Right. I'm like, sweet more time to steward the wonders of this yeah. season yeah. and that everything in the season from traffic to shopping to all the insanity actually becomes opportunity now for either mission or celebration mm. that I'm stewarding. So I'm like, man, what a cool thing that I can be on mission or celebrating the beauty both ways, laying the hammer against mm. the night and shattering it Beautiful. to remind us of the joy of morning. Beautiful. So. Beautiful. Great to be with you guys today. We hope that this little time has reframed enough for you that this season will be different because we spent this hour together. And if that's the case, then this hour has been more than a joy for us to do. Yeah, thanks for being with us. Uh, We are in Advent. Hopefully we'll uh, see you at Mosaic this season, and it's going to be a great time for everybody. And just so you guys know, I did Google um, earlier today because I wanted to read this liturgy, and I didn't have my book with me. And I actually just Googled... um, the Every Moment Holy, and it turns out on uh, everymomentholy.com is the liturgies online. You can just like click on them and read them all 
or you can order the book on Amazon. That's when we ordered it uh, every moment, holy. But just online, here they are for free. How cool is that, so that cool. I can just go through and do that? Yeah, so, so we'll add that into the show. I would encourage uh, you guys to go find it sure. and, and just read some of them and see if some of them, even this season, wouldn't be great readings to bring to the table before something to remind you or those around you oh, yeah. of the wonder of Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait. It's good. All right. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Appreciate you.